the government has chosen not to make legal aid a priority for British Columbians. And what that means is that it's very hard for people to get access to justice unless you have a solid income. And the reality is, of course, we know that the so-called middle class is shrinking. Uh, if you're poor in British Columbia, you're worse off today than you were 15 or 20 years ago. And so the courts are becoming, as Chief Justice McLaughlin has pointed out, uh, quite directly in speeches, uh, basically a place for only the rich to seek and obtain any kind of justice. If I had to pick one word to talk about self-representing, it would be terror. I stood there in a courtroom, not represented, and literally listening to falsehoods being made about me and feeling, to be honest, almost paralyzed in being able to respond to them. I have a brain injury as a result of a couple of motor vehicle accidents. When I am in extremely high stress circumstances, I have a difficult time processing information. How I was reacting because of fear and anxiety and the circumstances that I had been subjected to created a woman who um, presented to a judge, certainly as someone who did not look mentally stable. I did lose custody of my children and was forced into a situation where I was only able to have supervised visits with my children. Legal Aid is a publicly funded service that provides legal information, advice, and representation to people with low incomes. We Need Legal Aid states on its website that in any three-year period, a BC resident has a 45% chance of coming into contact with the justice system. In 2002, funding for legal aid in British Columbia was cut. So the 2002 and 2004 cuts were from government, and the reasons offered for those cuts were that they were about financial cutbacks. They were simply a money-saving, cost-saving initiative. Kasari Govender is the executive director of West Coast Leaf, an organization that works to end discrimination against women through equality rights litigation, law reform, and public legal education. Legal aid was massively cut between 2002 and 2004. 40% of legal aid was eliminated. Uh, and that included some really key areas for women. So, in particular, women's major interaction with the justice system is through family law, and family law services were severely limited uh, after those cuts in 2002. Uh, not entirely, the services weren't entirely eliminated, but very, very much restricted. Poverty law services were entirely eliminated, um, certainly in terms of actually getting the help of a lawyer, and immigration services were also um, somewhat somewhat limited. Criminal services and child protection services were uh, also cut, but less substantially because they have constitutional protections, whereas those other areas, in particular family law, isn't protected by the Constitution. You don't have a right to a lawyer at this point under our constitutional law, and so that area was quite cut, quite severely cut. What that means is that women can, for the most part, only gain access to a lawyer when they qualify under the financial cutoffs, very, very low. Uh, so you can, if you if you make um, much more than minimum wage, you don't qualify. 
and uh, you, uh, for most part, only need to, need to be in a relationship where you've experienced violence, and that's generally the only situation in which you'll be covered. There's some very limited other circumstances, uh, but that's the primary one. So you can imagine that leaves out a huge number of women who are seeking help with family law issues. This is Seema. She is one of three women who tell their stories on the We Need Legal Aid website. The We Need Legal Aid campaign features stories from three women in BC who accessed or tried to access legal aid. As I uh, reflect at the diminishing state of legal aid, I cannot um, help but imagine what my life would have been if I didn't have the right access at the right time to justice. I got married very young at the age of 18. I migrated to a rural community of BC. The abuse I experienced in my relationship was both physical and uh, emotional. And uh, it was over a period of the past 14 years. Um, and unfortunately, my children also witnessed a lot of that abuse. I didn't have any economics, uh, sound economic stability. I didn't have any, a job. My ex um, was totally controlling the finances. So I felt pretty you know, um, dependent on him. Uh, for to, to have all my needs met. The breaking point for me was the impact the relationship was having on my children. Initially, leaving the relationship was very scary. Living in a rural community was very, very isolating. There were very limited resources and access. There wasn't anybody else from my own community that I knew. There wasn't even a transition house that a woman could go to. The first time I tried to access legal aid was in 1994. The support that I received from legal aid was such that I was able to resolve the family breakdown, legal issues associated with them fairly quickly and promptly. My children's lives stabilized very quickly as well because I was able to move on. I was able to swiftly resolve the legal issues, have the support in place. It also helped me proceed in looking for employment, focusing my energies on getting, updating my education, and becoming fully functional taxpayer. So I felt a big freedom, I felt a sense of safety, and I felt safe for my children. I'm very proud to say that they are now grown to be you know, they have completed their post-secondary education. Uh, my daughter is pursuing a career in law, and uh, my son is working in the justice system. Living in rural parts of the province makes accessing legal aid even more difficult. There's huge problems by being denied access to legal aid um, in all different contexts, but one of the important contexts in BC, we know that, that we have lots of rural communities, um, and most of the province is not uh, covered by urban centers. So for those uh, for community for families that live in those communities, there's already significant issues about access to justice. Even aside from legal aid, there can be no courthouse in their community. Um, there could be a, a circuit court, which only comes through their community every once in a while, uh, a few times a year maybe. And so they have some real restrictions in terms of gaining access to the benefits of a court system having a decision, for example, a protection order. Um, that will keep them safe from an abusive spouse. So there's um, there's those issues already. And then on top of that, there's a very significant issue of not being able to gain access to legal aid and even being able to gain access to a lawyer at all. Lots of communities have very few lawyers, if any at all. And so those lawyers are hot in demand, and a lawyer can't represent both sides in the dispute. 
they can only represent one side in a dispute, otherwise it's a conflict of interest. And so one of the techniques that's commonly employed by abusive men is to go visit every lawyer in town and conflict them out of representing the woman. So by the time a woman, uh, or when, when a woman goes to a counsel, she, she's told, I'm sorry, I can't represent you. I've already talked to your, uh, to the other side in the dispute, and that's the two lawyers in town. So now she has to try to find a lawyer somewhere else out of town. And you can imagine the problems that that presents. It may be hours away. She may not have child care. She may not have transportation. Um, so there's some significant obstacles there as well. Delays in being able to access legal advice also have major implications for people who need legal aid. Well, you can imagine if there's children involved. So if there's a custody and access case, there is all kinds of timing issues. So you want to ensure that your children are safe and that they are with the parent that you think will serve their best interest. So custody cases, you can imagine, have a lot of um, timeliness issues. A year in a child's life um, is pretty significant. And so if there was a year delay or a six-month delay, that's a, a significant issue in a child's life, especially if they're being denied access to one parent or if they are in, uh, allowed access to a parent who is, but that isn't a safe situation, potentially an abusive parent. So those are some important considerations. There's also, of course, upon relationship breakdown, there's financial issues that need to be resolved. Those will almost never be covered by legal aid. But, of course, there's significant issues there in terms of um, the family home, who gets to live in the family home, what happens to the family home, what happens to all the possessions. There's some significant time considerations there as well. And then also if a parent wants to move, those are... Um, a relatively common family law application in which one parent is applying to be able to move with the child, and that's often for the reason of employment or some kind of opportunity that they're moving for, and so there's also significant time issues there. According to the Making Justice Work report of Minister of Justice Shirley Bond in 2012, almost 70% of people accessing legal aid have not graduated from high school, and many struggle with basic literacy. Other factors preventing people from adequate access to justice include linguistic or cultural barriers. The report says over 25% of legal aid clients are Aboriginal, but over 80% in some communities. The report recommends expanding existing services for criminal, family, and child protection services, but the underlying recommendation of the report and others like it is restored and increased funding of the public service. Despite services like Family Lawland that offer free advice, many lawyers and advocates for vulnerable people say real help for people with low incomes when it comes to the legal system rests with actual representation. Lobat Sadar Hashimi is a lawyer with the Public Interest Advocacy Center. She practices in the areas of human rights, constitutional, regulatory, and poverty law. I think, I mean, I think they provide a valuable service, but the thing that we hear over and over is that there there are services um, that provide you know consultation free consultations or some assistance with particular aspects of their case and drafting something but ultimately what people need is actual representation because they're facing a very difficult, complicated legal system on their own. And it's terrifying to appear in court by yourself 
um, having to make arguments, having to provide evidence, having to cross-examine witnesses, and, you know, your ex-partner could have a lawyer there that's doing all that for them, and you're there on your own. Um, so even with the those types of services, it can't really replace having a lawyer in the courtroom with you. Leonard Krogh is the new Democrat MLA for Nanaimo and the Justice Critic. He says cuts to legal aid make it impossible for people living on low incomes to get adequate support from the system. Just in terms of raw dollars, let alone taking into account inflation, population growth, the fact is we are spending less in British Columbia's budget annually on legal aid now than we were back in 2001. That's how bad it is. And so what that means is that the coverage that was relatively comprehensive before simply isn't there now. There are hundreds, indeed, into the thousands of people going into our courts every year, particularly on the family law side, who need and should have representation, who don't have representation, and who, frankly, are not up to facing uh, a highly trained, skilled lawyer on the other side uh, defending uh, somebody or, or bringing a claim. And what that means is justice is essentially being denied to people who should otherwise receive justice. It's poor public policy, and it's bad, frankly, for the court systems as well, because what it means is that people who are unrepresented don't understand the rules, take more time, takes up court time, wastes time, frustrates judges, and leaves the public, many of whom have fail to represent themselves well, feeling that they have not received the justice they deserve. So it brings... Andy is another woman who tells her story through the We Need Legal Egg campaign. The deal with my daughter's father is that he he was largely absent for the first six years of of my daughter's life. Shortly after her her birth, um, his presence in Vancouver began to be pretty sporadic. He, He was a musician, and so he was often on tour. And so there were times when he was in Vancouver and times when he was not. And our relationship was was pretty turbulent, and so I was trying to kind of separate from him, but economically it was really challenging. She says years after separating from her daughter's father, she decided to move to Edmonton with partner and her daughter, but she ran into difficulty. I attempted to access legal aid when um, my daughter's father arrived in court, and and, um, it was clear that he had gotten a lawyer and that I was going to face um, a proceeding where uh, my mobility was, was going to be challenged. My daughter's father and then um, his parents each submitted affidavits, um, and she filed a document in court uh, stating that I was going to be kidnapping the child, and so a restraining order was necessary to prevent me from leaving the province. What this achieved was two things. I was prevented from legally leaving the province because there was a restraining order, um, but it also fast-tracked the process. I, I had 10 days to respond. I was working 45 hours a week, taking care of a five-year-old and staying up all night and preparing affidavits and documents and reading law and um, meeting insane deadlines <laughs> with uh, virtually no support. And the ruling was that I was prohibited from moving um, with my daughter. I was forced to stay in this province, was put in a position of, of 
um, depending on some financial assistance and contribution from my daughter's father, and he doesn't provide it. There was a huge disparity between what was seen as the, the best interests of, of, for my daughter um, and what was actually happening in, in her life with me as, as her mother and primary caregiver. Um, so we were homeless and we were penniless, um, and she had extensive access to her paternal family. Self-representing, I, I once described it to someone as um, like being underwater and screaming and thrashing and not having a single ripple or sound happen. The less um, the government invests in systems that support people to have their needs met, um, the more social fallout in terms of family violence and addiction and homelessness and poverty and, and just all the rest of it, it, it uh, compounds. Um, and that's where I see it going. Not only women, but everybody can benefit from increased access to legal aid because it's, it's, it's one of the main pillars of a, of a healthy functioning social infrastructure, right? So along with healthcare, education and social services, um, the health of legal aid determines the health of so much else. Um, and so everybody benefits. Real justice means fair access. We need legal aid. Leonard Krogh offers suggestions for people who want to see change in the legal aid system in the province. The public needs, most particularly, to contact, visit, write to their liberal MLAs. The Democrats are on board. I assume the Green Party's on board. Uh, their sole member. I assume that the independent member, Vicki Huntington, is on board. They need to write uh, to correspond with, visit uh, liberal MLAs, the Premier, the Minister of Justice, and tell them that this is a priority and this will be a vote-determining issue for them in the next election. That if the government's not prepared to uh, restore legal aid uh, in the way it needs to be restored, then they will not be voting for the B.C. Liberals. It's as, uh, it's as rough and tumble as that. That's what has to happen. And even then, as I say, I'm not entirely convinced that this government really cares. I think they see the legal aid system as uh, a sort of legal requirement that they pay uh, some interest to, uh, the minimum possible, uh, so that uh, there aren't successful lawsuits. Uh, but for any real interest in justice for the people who need and deserve it, the vulnerable in our society, I don't think the government cares. The Minister of Justice, Suzanne Anton, did not respond to requests for an interview. For more information about legal aid in BC, you can visit lss.bc.ca. For more information on the campaign mentioned in this piece, visit weneedlegalaid.com.